heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, author, outdoor writer, videographer, speaker, blogger, and podcaster, and I'm so excited that you've taken the opportunity to download or stream the show however you are listening. Thank you for doing so. Well, I'm excited to be back with you again for another week of podcasting, and um, I have so much fun, immense joy bringing these podcasts to you, and um, we do this every other week, so it's that time of the week again when you're hearing this one. Uh, We're kicking it out on social media, and we're kicking it out on fishgame.com and in our newsletter and all over the place, so I'm really excited about today's show, as I am every show, because I have another awesome guest this time. And this guy's name is Rick Ward. He is also known as the Urban Air Gunner. That is his handle on YouTube if you want to look him up. I'm going to put the links to his um, TV show that he is a part of, which is called The American Air Gunner. And that appears on the Pursuit channel. So check your local show listings for The American Air Gunner TV show, and you can learn more about Rick. And uh, they have a great website, too. AmericanAirGunner.com and you do forward slash Rick dash Ward and you will find his uh, his bio and I will also put the link to that in the show notes. Now this show has a lot of links to show notes <laughs> because uh, we talk about a lot of different stuff from uh, air gun ammunition we use from uh, Rick Ward's YouTube videos to the American Air Gunner TV show, Daniel Defense, um, all kinds of other different optics and products and things like that that Rick uses that I wanted to bring to your attention. So I put those down in the show notes. So we have a lot of show notes for this show. Definitely check that out, whether you are streaming online and on um, one of our streaming pages, which should have all the show notes in it, or you're listening on a mobile device. That should also have the show notes in there so you can... Um, you can go back and click on those and refer back to those for uh, for the duration of the podcast to kind of give you some um, perspective of what we're talking about. So anyway, I'm really excited about this show. This podcast goes a little bit longer, as you can probably see by the time that this podcast is. It goes a little bit longer than our typical podcast, but we talk about a lot of great stuff. This is a great content-rich podcast, so I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, you'll get a lot out of it and really enjoy and learn a lot. So thank you so much to Rick Ward for joining me, and here is our interview together. Welcome to the Best of the Outdoors podcast, and thank you so much for joining us. Rick, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, where, where to begin? <laughs> I'm, a jack of, I'm a jack of all trades and a master of absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, I disagree with you. You're a master of air gun hunting. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, golly, man, I... Um, I live in the state of Georgia now. I've, I've been here about 20 years. I uh, moved here from Texas. Work actually brought me here to Georgia. And um, so I work a regular job, uh, all kind of crazy hours. I'm a field service technician during the week for uh, independent Caterpillar dealer. I'm a professional rodeo announcer. And so I also get to travel around the country and, and play cowboy. And um, oh, cool. Yeah, and then, uh, in fact, while we're doing this interview, I'm actually at a bull riding at a county fair in Augusta, Georgia. And um, so when I'm not doing all of that stuff, I actually go out and I hunt predators pretty much uh, four and five nights a week during the week. And um, wow. then when I get days off, I I typically uh, at a rodeo or something if I've uh, got a rancher close by. 
um, I'll take my guns and my camouflage and my calls, and I'll go out and, and hunt predators on different ranches while I'm out on the road rodeoing. Oh, how cool. That's awesome. And so it's it's great to kind of travel and hunt and do it all, right? Yeah, you know, and the, the neat thing about it, uh, I don't like to – I'm not bragging, but mm-hmm. I am an award-winning rodeo announcer. And so uh, it was kind of funny because I've been with this company for 20 years, and they read a, a article in the newspaper, and the vice president of the company called me in his office one day and wanted to know what it was that I did in the rodeo, and I explained to him what I did, and he asked, you know, how do you manage to work for us and, and travel to these places? And, I, you know, a lot of red-eye flights and sure. um, you know, just just a lot of, lot of uh, intense booking agencies and things like that, and um, they've never told me no. Um, they they kind of cheer me on and ask me where I'm going and where I've been. And, and so it's, you know, I, I use the term celebrity extremely loose, but, <laughs> uh, you know, they, they support me. And, and that you just, it's a rare thing to find that at a job that, that you have to be on 24 hour a day call and, right. you know, you're working on equipment for people and, and it's just, uh, everybody, they, they just really, back what i do and so there's a lot of support from them and obviously a lot of support at home too you know sure. my family they they don't always travel with me like they used to and the kids are grown and um so they're burnt out on the road and so i just uh i book a, a certain number of rodeos a year and um travel oh how cool that's awesome and you hunt while you travel which is even cooler I do. You know, the funny thing is some of these fairgrounds, um, it's funny because they have wood lines. Uh, you know, some of the rural areas have wood lines along the side of them. And uh, typically I can talk to whoever's in charge and, and especially I can take an air gun and I can sneak out into a creek bottom or something in the morning and, uh, you know, try to catch a coyote headed to the garbage cans, you know. <laughs> that's a great idea. I think that's awesome. So tell us how you got your start in hunting when you were a kid. Well, that <laughs> that goes way back. I know um, it does. We talked about I, that in the pre-chat. I grew up, yeah, you know, I, I grew up on a ranch in, in East Texas, a small, very small ranch. And um, there's, you know, neighboring ranches that are they're several hundred acres. But um, I just grew up like every other kid you know loving the outdoors my dad would take me hunting and fishing and um you know that was just something that that was kind of uh bred into me i think you know being being a cowboy and being on a ranch and uh i guess really i got bit by the coyote hunting bug when i was about 11 or 12 i read an article in uh, sports the field or field and stream one of those uh, outdoor magazines about the uh the uh, challenges of, of hunting coyotes. And back in that day, uh, guys weren't using, you know, big high-powered deer rifles. And, and um, AR-15s were not really the, the norm. Right. You know, that was considered a, a military or an ops rifle. And people just didn't have AR-15s. Right. Not um, like they do today, for sure. Right. And so uh, they were using 22 and 22 Magnums and shotguns. And after reading that article, one of the one of the ranch owners uh, that neighbors our ranch, I was telling him, you know, about coyote hunting, 
what I had read, and, and he had given me an old wings wild call, which basically is just an old wooden call that had a squeaker in it. Sounds like a distressed cottontail. And man, I mean, it was, it was on. I mean, I, I remember calling in my first coyote. Now I, I didn't even kill him. I was so dumbfounded that I actually called this coyote in and, and I've just never looked back and I've, I've been fortunate enough to hunt coyotes all over the United States. Now it, uh, I'll be 50 in February. And so that, uh, I guess for the last, uh, 35 years or so I've been Whoa. able to, to really just hunt coyotes and it's, it's not like taking the, the great, uh, big buck or a elk or something. It's not a prestigious sport by right. any means, but, uh, there's a lot of times that you can sit and figure out your, your problems in life by just sitting on a Creek bank and calling a coyote, you know? Sure. Sure. I mean, hunting does that for a lot of us, you know, where we can kind of sit back and look at the world from, uh, from kind of a, a hunter's view, you know, and, um, that's what I love about what I do in the outdoors. So that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And it's, it is, it's therapy. Um, sure. a lot of times if I don't have, if I don't have a lot of time, maybe I've worked, you know, 14, 15 hours in, in a day and I'm just like, you know, I really don't feel like going hunting. Right, but I'll go out. I'll go out on my farm, and and I may go out to the back part of it somewhere, and and maybe howl and just kind of mark on a GPS where I heard those coyotes howling. And typically, whenever I go out with a suppressed, uh, either an air rifle or an AR, I usually get a phone call the next day, and they're wanting to know if I killed anything. So they've got people that hear those things around that area because it's so quiet at night you know so they can hear a suppressed rifle or or whatever so it's it's quite comical to me sometimes to try to sneak into that place without them knowing it but they they always know it so it's it's just a lot of fun you know doing what i do oh that's great i mean and the thing that you that kind of sets you apart from other hunters is that you call yourself the urban air gunner. That's kind of the brand that you've given yourself. And, you know, tell us what the benefits are with hunting with an air gun versus a high power rifle. Okay. Well, um, the, the urban air gunner thing started out as a joke. Um, we, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, I've always lived, I've always lived on a, on a massive amount of piece of property. Sure. Um, and, being a cowboy and, and being somewhat of that caretaker, I guess, of properties, uh, my housing has always been worked into um, the ranches I've worked on or the farms that I've taken care of. Uh, so to really cut this long story down, the, the farm that we lived on while when we first moved here, um, sadly, we watched the owners of that farm grow old and, and pass away and um, so it was one of those things, uh, you know, $3 million, you're welcome to buy it. And, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we wound up finding a, a house <laughs> in, a, yes. in an urban area. Right. And so, um, I've, I've got, you know, like 58 acres and it was really, really grown up. And so I was calling coyotes in and I was shooting coyotes out there and, um, and it's right by the city limit sign. I mean, in fact, one of my videos has uh, no discharging of firearms. You know, I'm taking a video picture of that sign while I'm, you know, my driveway sits way off the, the road, and or my house does. And so 
I see a cop rolling up the driveway, and I'm thinking, here we go. I got nosy neighbors or sure. you know, concerned neighbors, and, and that's the best way to keep people off your property is go out at all hours of the evening and just squeeze off a couple shots. Mm-hmm. And they won't go down your driveway. Right. So after that, I thought, you know, I want to be a little more stealthy. And so I, I wound up finding an air gun. I was reading some of Jim Chapman's stuff. I love Jim Chapman. He's a great writer. I look up to, yes, and I look up to him so much. On, you know, he is such an inspiration to all air gunners. Sure. Um, especially if they like hunting. But I was reading, you know, started researching calibers. And I started out, I, I, um, I wound up getting a Benjamin um, Marauder. And it was not, you know, I, I, I had taken some small game with that. And it was quiet, it was accurate, but it just didn't have the power that I wanted. Right. And so I wound up writing a letter to Air Force Air Guns, and I was explaining to them my situation and what I was doing. And so I wound up borrowing an air rifle from them. Uh, I bought, uh, it was Condor SS. And so my friends started teasing me about being an urban cowboy and when they found out I was shooting coyotes with an air rifle, they're like, he's the urban air gunner. <laughs> they and, were making fun uh, of you. I see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. And so it just stuck. And I'm like, who's laughing now, Captain? <laughs> That's right. So, um, so anyways, as this has progressed over a, uh, almost a nine-year period being on this property, um, I have taken, you know, dozens of coyotes that come through there right. and fought and and um, and different things, and so um, I really truly fell in love with the Air Force products. And I went to the Shot Show one year. I, I bought a plane ticket, and I, I went to the Shot Show just to say thank you for loaning me this gun. And the look on the people's face at Air Force, they were like, they asked me three times, "You bought an airline ticket." just to come out here and meet us and say thank you. I love it. And I said, I, I did. That's great. And it, it was, it, it all of a sudden was just like they had been family all along. Like I was the long lost brother or whatever. Right. And um, so we have built this relationship with Air Force over the last uh, probably five years I have been shooting for them as a sponsored shooter. Right. And... Man, I mean, I have I have been able to kill white-tailed deer with their air guns. Um, I, I've been able to go after coyote and fox and bobcats, and um, and I do a lot of pest control work. I mean, that's you know I don't want people to get the wrong idea like I'm a bloodthirsty killer, right? Because it's you know I, I mean I am I'm just as happy at, at watching a coyote come in and, and trying to to learn his body language and, and, and see how close I can get him uh, to me. Now, sure. keep in mind that my air guns, I mean, um, I, I mean I'm mean, i shooting coyotes out at 130, 140, 150 yards uh, with my Texan. And, uh, you know, before that, you know, sitting on a stand hunting coyotes, I always carry a shotgun with me because sometimes you get you – get, coyotes that just won't stop right they get and really so close would, right exactly exactly and i mean i've had coyotes uh, you know at, at 
you know, less than 10 steps from me, you know, and uh, when I've shot them. And so to me, that is the ultimate in, in trying to be the best uh, master of disguise by camouflaging yourself and, and be the best caller you can be. Now, anybody can call a coyote. Right. But there, it's all the, the things that you have to do prior to setting up in that stand. Yes. And even after all these years, I still make just huge mistakes. And I'm, you know, I've, I've set up in the wrong spot because where you think they're going to come out, they, they, they're just the opposite. Right. You know, um, so that, that's kind of, I guess that's a long way around the barn, but getting back to your point, that's, that's how I got into, to hunting with an air gun was being moving into an urban environment. Um, you know, being concerned about slinging lead across areas, you know, small acreage that, that there's, there's houses around there. And sure. so the air, the air gun thing really, um, it, it really fit the need for me to be able to go out and hunt and not have to load up my truck and, and take all my stuff and travel for an hour or two to go, to go somewhere to hunt a piece of property or to just run and gun multiple properties in a day or an evening sure. or whatever time yes. I have. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. And so air gunning is definitely a safer environment for, you know, our, our urban areas are kind of more of a safer environment for air guns than they are high-powered rifles. And that's, you know, anybody can figure that out because they don't have the same, you know, velocity and power that a, that a typical one. But the Air Force Texan, which is one thing we taught on this podcast, you know, well before it was part of the Texas Fish and Game family, you know, that's a very powerful powerful air gun you know for a hundred about a thousand feet per second at uh 45 caliber projectile i mean that thing is good for just about any kind of game you can think of um as far as big game goes in north america and exotics and hogs and those kind of things tough game you know um but definitely it's a great coyote round too isn't it absolutely you know i shoot a 255 grain uh projectile out of mine and i also shoot a 340 grain um for some reason, both of those calibers or both of those bullet weights seem to really, um, they, they just really work good out of that gun. Um, now, again, I don't want to brag and boast, but I, I do have one of the original prototypes yes. of the Air Force Texan, and it's serial number two. Oh, so, cool. <laughs> it's, uh, That's great. Yeah, it, it's funny because that actually had a prototype barrel in it. And so I have, obviously, I have one of the production guns that has the barrel that everybody has. And they just, both of them really shoot identical. I mean, and and they really like that bullet weight. Now, I can't say that yours would like a 255 grain. Uh, typically, what I do is I'll go out and shoot my gun five times before I go on a hunt. If I'm going to shoot a 255 and... I'll set my scope. You know, I use a, a target turret so I can dope my scope and, right. and really zero in to the ranges that I'm shooting. Um, I have a small range at my place. It's just a hundred yard range. Uh, so, you know, I can go out there and I can, I can see what, where I'm at at 50 yards. I can see where I'm at at 75 and then at a hundred. And typically most of my coyote kills on an average, if I do everything right, are within 50 to 60 yards. So um, they really, you know, those guns are just exceptional shooters. Um, I, I just, 
I just can't say enough about him, and, and, and I don't want your listeners to go, well, he's he's saying that because he's a sponsored shooter. Right. But you have to remember there was a time that I wasn't a sponsored mm-hmm. shooter. Mm-hmm. And, and I talked about those guns uh, just the same way. Yes. So I, I'm extremely excited. In fact, um, yesterday – no, was it yesterday? No, uh, Thursday, Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday – I, I got a package in the mail, and it was the new 357. Oh, how so, cool! I, you know, I've already got a scope mounted on it, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm wanting to get home and 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 get some time off that I can go sight it in and and go call coyotes, you know, because I mean, here in South Georgia, it's still really hot. Right. Um, the uh, deer season is in now, so deer hunters are in the woods, and so a lot of my coyote hunting is really limited to the nighttime. So um, I, I'm anxious because, you know, you go back to the urban areas, and that has opened up so much property, so many new places to hunt that, that you know, people don't realize how much wildlife is in their backyard that they, you know, the guy that, that really likes to hunt but, but can't, you know, that lives in the city that goes, well, I have to go to a deer lease somewhere an hour or two hours away. You know, there's industrial parks that are just – our country is, is littered with industrial parks and, and, and things that have never been developed. Right, exactly. There, there are roads that go in. There might be a spec building there that's been setting for 10 years. Right. There's for sales signs everywhere. Most of the time, if you go in there and, and you find out who's got that property and say, hey, you know, we live right here in the area and we wanted a safe place to go shoot our – BB guns or our air rifles, right? you know, there you just gain permission if they say, you know what, if it's an air rifle, I don't care. That's fine. And so people are actually being able to, to find new places to hunt that are really a well-kept secret because they house a lot of animals that are going into these neighborhoods and killing cats and dogs and tearing up the trash cans and, um, you wouldn't believe the amount of, of carcass that I find in some of these industrial parks. Oh, I'm sure. Um, there's there's one place that I gained access to that's right next to a municipal airport, or actually a regional airport that, that Delta flies into. Huh. And uh, that thing is loaded with coyotes. Well, there's 400 acres that borders that, and I was seeing coyotes going through there, and I found out the guy that owned the property – and I just went and asked him if I could hunt coyotes. And he said, you know, we don't allow anybody to hunt our property because it's so flat in this particular area that we're worried that something might, you know, get off the property and, and hit another house. And I said, well, sir, I use an air rifle. And he laughed at me and said, well, if you think you could kill a coyote with a BB gun, and, and I I said, sir, it's a, it's an air rifle. He goes, yeah, pellet gun. He yeah. said, you can shoot all the coyotes you want to. And, uh, and I, you know, that just makes me giggle because here I'm going in there with a suppressed air rifle that they don't even have a clue that I'm there unless I call them and say, hey, um, you know, Mr. Farmer, is it okay if I go out here tonight or you know, and I, I'm very respectful of that, too. And, and, and most of the landowners tell me, you know, you don't have to call. You don't have to let me know. And um, But I guess being raised in Texas, it's a respect thing that yes. I've always 
you know, I've just always called the landowner to make sure, because you don't know. They might have family unexpectedly be out there walking around at night or playing hide-and-seek like we did when we were kids, you know. Sure. I mean, so I'm always, you know, pretty respectful of that or, you know, drop them an email and just make sure that I can, you know, go out there and hunt. But now this is a 400 acres, and he's got cattle on it. He's got farmland on it. So there's every food source you need um, for, for coyotes to be there. So there's rats and mice. And so, yeah, I mean, and it's like literally three minutes from my doorstep. So I can get on a golf cart, cut through <laughs> the woods, and I'm on this guy's property, you know? <laughs> That's what I love about urban hunting. You know, one of the podcasts I did that I've, I know you've seen before, Rick, is the um, – one I did on urban bow hunting and, uh, the same idea basically applies, you know, you're 15 minutes or less away from home and you can go there with the kind of a stealthy equipment, like a suppressed air gun or a, um, or a, uh, you know, a crossbow or something like that and go hunting, you know, and there, there are areas right in people's backyards. They just don't even realize that they can hunt, you know, with a, with a gun, like an air gun. And I just think it's great. Exactly. I mean, in fact, there was an article um, you know, urban urban hunting has been a, a well-kept secret until some Yahoo writer goes, hey, guess what, I've been bow hunting, and, you know, and now everybody's wanting to go in there. You know, I'm one of those Yahoo writers, I think, Rick. <laughs> Shame on y'all for letting Shame everybody know our secret. That's right. Yeah, I wrote an but, article in 2014 on Texas Fishing Game called Urban Bow Hunting, uh, hunting big properties yeah. for small game, or small properties for big game. And, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and uh, you know, the thing is, there's somebody that wrote one in a, I don't know if it was in one of the predator hunting magazines uh, this last time around, or uh, maybe an archery magazine, but there's a, there was an article, one of my buddies, uh, matter of fact, he called me, he lives in this area where I'm at, and he called me on my way up to the, to the rodeo this weekend, and, and he was telling me that he just got done reading an article about urban bow hunting and uh he was telling me how popular he's been listening to how popular it's getting and and i told him i said you know the urban the urban hunting aspect is here right. i mean it's you know it's here to stay yeah. um it is it, it really is and you know and, and i want to encourage your listeners to uh always check your your local laws because there are you know air guns aren't firearms and they're safe in most places, but there are some city ordinances that will not allow you to shoot an air rifle or a BB gun or any type of projectile. Um, in fact, I had a guy, I loaned him an air rifle to, to take care of some squirrels, and one of his neighbors called and said he had an assault rifle in the front yard, and the cop rolled up. And, oh, my. Oh, yeah, and then the cop says, you know, put the gun down, and he set it on the ground. He says, it's an air rifle, and the cop walks over and looks at it, and he goes, yeah, it is, like a paintball gun. And then, <laughs> so then, they, you know, so the guy explained to him that, you know, Mrs. Kravitz across the road was peeping through her window. But, um, you know, he just said, man, I've got squirrels just devastating my attic, and I've, I've got to kill them. And so, you know, that that's kind of – you always have to be careful – you know, with any type of, of you know, gun. Sure. Um, and, and make sure, you know, because that's, that's one thing I don't want is I don't want people to go, well, Rick Ward, the urban air gunner, said you could do it. And then, you know, they go, well, you know, he's not, he doesn't make the laws. You know? Right, <laughs> so, right, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think <laughs> all 50 states are actually legal to 
to hunt small game with an air rifle now. Right. And there's about seven states that will allow you to uh, hunt big game. Yes. And Georgia not being one of them, which I'm really working hard to get that changed. Um, I've actually been to the uh, Capitol, uh, to the Dome, and talked to people and my uh, congressmen and representatives, and, and we're moving forward with that. But, um, I'm so close to the Alabama line that I can I can literally, um, you know, 50 miles, and, I, and I've got a spot that I can go hunt all the deer that I want in Alabama. It cost me 300 and something dollars for an out-of-state license. Right. So, That's good. You know, yeah, and, and I've got friends in Missouri that, that, that love air gunning, and so, you know, I, I've got a lot places i can go it's just finding the time to, to get in there and do sure, it sure no i understand and i mean t- it's not legal to hunt uh, i must say this since this is kind of a texas-based podcast we're not legal to hunt you know big game with uh with air rifles in our state yet but you know you can hunt hogs and we have exotics like crazy here you can hunt um you know black buck and axis and Saika and fallow and oryx and all these different exotics uh so there's a whole plethora of things that you plan to uh, you can plan to get out there with an air gun like the Air Force Texan and uh, make a good shot and take some meat home with one. And I just I love the Texan so much because it is such a versatile gun. It is like shooting a um, well. You and I have talked about this, Rick. It's kind of like shooting a forty five ACP out of a rifle. Is that right? As far as firearm power comparison? Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's uh, it delivers about five hundred foot pounds of energy yes. right there at the muzzle. And, uh, in, in fact, I, I did a video on my uh, YouTube channel, which is, is really, I don't consider myself a YouTuber because every video I have is, is pretty stupid. Oh, no, um, I love your but, videos, Rick. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're too I, kind. Thank I you. I watch I, a lot I'll of your stuff, you. man. <laughs> the check is in the, the mail, Dustin. The mail. The uh-huh, I see how yeah. it is. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, and I only have a little bit of money to pay you, so, okay. you know, the compliments have to be short. I'll take whatever um, I can get. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, I, I did a video uh, shooting FBI ballistics jail that I actually scorched really, really bad. I mean, I just – I burn it. I melted it down. But the thing is, I just got out there and started shooting a bunch of different bullet grains out of that Texan, and they were going through the ballistics gel. I could not capture a single one. And I was getting back at, you know, I was back at 40 and 50 yards. And so I did another video with some new ballistics gel, and I was getting the same results. And so I, I wound up putting two 12 or 13 inch blocks back to back and they were almost going through at those ranges and oh my goodness this was prior to me ever killing a deer with that with that big bore air rifle right right and uh because you know really big bore is something that i've just gotten into uh since i started shooting that prototype a few years ago of the texan i mean that was my first introduction to big bore air gunning sure and so, you know, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, Seth Rowland is one of them that, that I owe just a huge amount of gratitude to. And, and then Eric Henderson at Adventures of Field, because those guys have, have coached me and answered my questions about big bore air gunning so that I can, I can become the guy that people go, hey, you know, what do I need to do, you know, for big bore? Right. So, so the ballistics testing on those things, it's, it is amazing, and, and I don't care whether you shoot a hollow point or whether you shoot a, a conical bullet of, of whatever, a flat nose, wad cutter. 
they're devastating. And, and I mean, the majority of the deer that I've killed have been with flat nose bullets. Um, I, I shoot, I've been pretty loyal to Seth Rowland. Um, yes, I and some of his ammo too. yeah. Right. And, uh, well, he's just such a down to earth guy, yes. you know, and he, he really, he really works hard to promote big bore air gunning and, um, and not brag about it. He's not, he's not, uh, I guess maybe uh, braggadocious about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if, it's, if that's the correct if that's word. That's a word, <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, what you mean. but I mean, he's not—he's not arrogant about air gunning or anything. He just right. is a down-to-earth guy that you can—you could talk to and, and pick his brain. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I really try to support him and his product, and 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 I've just not—not not like any of. I mean, there's there's nothing that he's made that I haven't liked. Yes. Um, now, on the other end of the spectrum, on the 25 caliber stuff, I pretty much exclusively shoot the 25 caliber 50 grain hollow point that, that uh, Bob or Robert Vogel puts out, Mr. Hollow Point. Uh-huh. Um, that is a coyote killing projectile. That, when I'm using my small bore stuff and going in people's backyards for doing pest control or fox or just whatever. That thing, you can take a heart shot with it, and it'll mushroom out. You can take a head shot, and it just makes jello out of that animal's head. And, and I mean, it's just a, you know, I'm and you give it credit where credit is due. Mr. Hollow Point makes a great product. I just, you know, I just don't use it. I mean, I, I just, you know, it's kind of weird. You know, sure. you, you know, some people like unleaded. Some people like super unleaded. Right. You know, just it's just what I what I've kind of grown accustomed to, and and the quality that I've come to expect from Seth. And, yes. Um. So anyway, but, we all have but, our preferences. In other words, I mean Seth rolling for yeah. the big boy, and then Mr. Hollow Point. I have some of Mr. Hollow Point's um, uh, large caliber projectiles, but I like Seth's a little bit better. But I got some of the small projectile, the small caliber projectile from Mr. Hollow Point, and I like those too. So I'm kind of with you when it comes to you know I shoot a lot of JHP uh, Diablo uh, uh, pellets out of my uh, Talon P. Um, and I've been pretty right. happy with that, but I've not done a lot of hunting with that gun. So I'm going to trust your advice on that. Well, well, let me tell you that, that, you know, you, you mentioned the JSP pellets. Um, that is one of my favorite production off the shelf right. brand. Um, I've been shooting the 25 caliber. Now, you know, your listeners need to kind of, I don't, I, I do have some 22 caliber stuff and I do shoot them. I don't shoot them enough to, to recommend the different bullet weights or pellet weights, but in the 25 caliber, the 33.95 grain heavy pellet is really, really good for shooting, uh, you know, fox and shooting um, squirrels and rabbits right. Small and game. coons and possums. And then there's a... Uh, what was the – there's another one. It's a 20 – I think there's a 25 grain or 20 – yeah, I think it's 25.33 or 25.95, almost a 26-grain pellet that JSB makes that is just incredible. Um, I shoot a lot of squirrels because of the pecan groves that are around me. Oh, sure. And um, It's nothing to kill – you know, I could sit at one tree with with a tank of air and in those a ten of those pellets, 
And, I mean, I'm shooting crows out at 70 and 80 yards with that Condor SS. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, in fact, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, I had a guy, we were out in, in my yard shooting one day, and a guy came up. Uh, one of my neighbors was over there who had bought a, an air gun uh, from Air Force. And he was over there, and we're shooting. This guy drives up who has some air rifles but was not really – had never shot the Air Force gun. Okay. And so he's sitting there talking about, you know, we're bragging about how accurate the guns are. He shot it at the target a couple times. There's a crow out there. And he said, if you can hit that crow from where we're at, he said, I will write you a check for a, an air rifle. Fully decked out. Fully decked out. The whole works, and my, huh? I love it. My, yeah, and my neighbor's like, you better have the money in the bank to do it because that crow's going down. And I pulled my range finder out, and the guy's jaw just dropped when I pulled the range finder out. And it, it, was, it was like 71 yards. Ooh. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm looking around. There's no wind. And, I mean, I had my gun sighted in at like 68 or 70 yards. And so I knew that this was going to be a, just a beautiful shot. Yes. So I squeezed off a shot. That crow hits the ground. <laughs> and the guy walks over there and picks up the crow. And I shot that crow right through the eye. <laughs> and I mean, I was aiming, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to aim for the body. Right. And I'm going to knock this crow down. I wouldn't, didn't want to miss the crow, but it was just that pellet had still had just enough arc that it hit that crow right through the head, man. And I mean, when he hit the ground, that guy walked over there and threw the crow down at my feet and um, pulled out his checkbook. As and, he should have. He bought, yeah, he bought a Condor SS. He bought the. He bought a scope and a bipod. Bought, <laughs> All the accessories. He bought everything, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it was. It was quite comical because I called. Uh, I called Air Force the next morning. I said, "Look, I said this guy wants to buy a gun. You know, it was on a bat. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I've got the check made out to you. I'm gonna, you know." So, uh, I love they, it. That's great. They thought it was quite comical too. So. <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, yeah, I mean that just is that says a lot about their guns. I mean they're just once you become accustomed to shooting that gun, it's just you really don't want to shoot anything else. Right. Um, and, and that has been my brand of choice now because I've the urban air gunner has become this whatever <laughs> this thing. Household um, name. <laughs> nah, I don't know about all that. I think it's becoming that uh, way at least. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's something that um, I, I'm shooting other guns for people that aren't really a direct competition with Air Force. Right. So, you know, I'm shooting some FX guns. And, um, and of course, you know, being on the American Air Gunner television show, I've been shooting a lot of um, – smaller backyard friendly blowback guns and bb guns and and you know and it really my wife and i get such a kick out of the kids from church when they come over to um you know let me just say this god has blessed us to the point that we have a place that we can open up and people can come and visit and hang out and and feel welcomed to the point that you know we just we love having people around that's great and so when we have a church fellowship at our house or, you know, the neighborhood kids come over and they're like, Hey, Mr. Rick, can we, 
can we shoot a BB gun, you know? And, you know, and I have to call parents and make sure it's all right. And we break out the shooting glasses. And so sure. everybody, you know, we go to the dollar store and buy a bunch of silly string. And the, these kids, you know, I'd rather them get out there and shoot these BB guns for an hour than play video games or watch TV. Yes, you I know? agree. That's, uh, that's great. That's an hour's worth of, of memories and, and quality entertainment with an adult, you know? So, sure. uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I shoot a lot of different guns now, but my heart is, is tied really, really in depth with, with air force air guns. I mean, I, that's great. I kind of have to say that cause I know your some of your listeners may go looking around and go, well, he's not shooting just air force guns. Right. Now. You're shooting Numerex, you're uh, shooting uh, FX, yeah. But I mean, and you've got yeah. a lot of a lot of videos on on YouTube that uh, that talk about that. You know, talk about your Numerex reviews and your you know other other guns that you shoot. You know, air gunning has has just become such a huge uh, part of my life. And and here's something too. You know, I'm sponsored by by one of the top AR-15 manufacturers in the country. And and I live in Georgia, so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that up to y'all to figure out who it is. Yes. You know, and and, and we've been uh, the thing is I started I started the Georgia Predator Hunting Association with with a couple guys that I met at a barbecue restaurant for a lunch. We wanted to have a contest of predator hunting, and so um, we've had uh, we've we've been in existence the Georgia Predator Hunting Association, which is. Uh, the GPHA um, and GeorgiaPredatorHunting.org and GeorgiaPredatorHunting.com. We have all those that all link together. But we put on a, a statewide contest every year. And um, our first year after our first contest, Daniel Defense contacted us and um, wanted to talk. And that was the first time I'd ever sat at a corporate business table where the owner of the company sat at the other end and said, Ooh. gentlemen, how can you make me money? And, and the first time in my life, I was at a loss for words. I was just pointing at my my buddy next to me, Warren. I said, Warren will tell you. <laughs> you know? He's Good looking answer. at me like, you know, this is uncharted territory for us. But they were they were one of our first major sponsors, and, and they've been with us for for uh, going on eight years now. And so, um, and, and we actually have another. Uh, AR manufacturer that, that is made in Dallas, Georgia, called Head Down Products, and and they share the responsibility of of uh, donating guns to our contest every year. And um, you know we've got guys that come from all over the United States to hunt in our contest. So um, and it pays out several thousand dollars. It's it's an exciting predator hunting contest. Oh, that's great. Uh, so you know that's kind of you know that that kind of sums up my life in the predator hunting. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we could, we could talk about night, night vision and thermal hunting. And, um, in fact, I have night vision on, I have a dedicated air rifle that has night vision on it. Ooh, what kind uh, of night I, vision? What kind of thermal are you running? Um, I, <laughs> I'm just curious. I shoot Luna optics. No, I shoot Luna optics. Oh, okay. Uh, Luna has been very good to us. And in fact, they just moved from New York out to, uh, Texas and, um, they, you know, it's just one guy owns the company. It's a small, you know, family-owned operation, but the guy is dedicated to making uh, great, affordable night vision. And um, so their Gen 2 Plus is just a very affordable. It's under $2,500, and it, it's just a great, 
great optic, and um, and then I'm using a, a, an ATN um, thermal that is it's not the Thor. It's it's um, uh, now I can't remember the name of it, but it's one of their earlier thermals. Oh, okay. You know, and it, it does a good job. I've actually got a a uh, forty four millimeter lens on it, so it really you can really see a long ways. You know, you can gather a lot of heat signatures. You know, four That's or five hundred yards out. That's wonderful. But uh, well, and and when you're you know the thing about it when you when you finally see that heat signature and you see it coming towards you. You don't have to worry about it. By the time you can really make it out to be a fox or coyote, um, you know, or a bobcat, you can turn on your night vision and you can see them as plain as right. day. And it's in range. So it's, no, that's great. Yeah. So, uh, so anyways, that's kind of, you know, I mean, I do shoot powder burners, but I find myself shooting air guns more and more and more all the time just because of the convenience of, of you know, there, there's no mess, no spill, no, right. you know, no fouling. They're no, clean. No misfires. Yeah. That's what I like about um, air guns. And, folks, when we talk about powder burners, we're referring to firearms. So just so you know, that's an air gun term I've used on the show before. but uh, <laughs> And I've used in articles yeah. that I've written before, too. But we're talking about firearms as powder burners and air guns as air guns. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, and, and I, you know, and I shoot a kind of a weird caliber of, 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 bullet i'm i'm actually shooting a 6.5 millimeter uh projectile that is shoved down into a 223 cartridge so uh, it's a wildcat round but it what is the name of that round rick i have no idea what it's called we just call it a 6.5 223 okay i'm with you my buddy danny cooper well a buddy of mine danny cooper started making it and it's you know the ballistics on the thing. It's it's a man. It just just at it three hundred yards. It's still got a lot of punch to it. Wow, that's uh, great. It, it's a three hundred yard round. It's not like you're going to go out there and shoot a twenty two two fifty at you know five hundred yards or six hundred yards or something. Um, it's but it's still got it's it's smaller than your six point eight or six point eight SPC, and it's not like a six five Grendel. Because it doesn't have a different shell casing, you know, or a six eight. Right. Um, it's just kind of a happy medium. I, I don't know why people never really got into it. I I just it's it's pretty easy on fur. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes a coyote down. It takes pigs down. You can deer hunt with it. And I don't know. One of my buddies just put it on my gun one day and said, "Here, shoot this." That's cool. So. Then I had to go buy reloading dies to, to make more bullets. You know, it's yep. like, hey man, I need I need ammo, and he's like, well, start loading. You're on your own. <laughs> start reloading. Yeah, yeah start ammoing so, like the rest of us. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, so I can go out to the range and pick up two twenty three cases and go home and load my own ammo in them. But that's something I do on a rainy day because I just don't have the time. Yeah, as you can tell, to to go out and you know I'm trying to hunt and video and do all that kind of right. stuff. And I know exactly what you mean since I video my own hunts too. I know that goes. I was going to ask you a question in regards to lights for predators at night because this is something I get okay. a lot of questions about. Um, you know, right. there's green lights, there's red lights, there's white lights. And um, tell me what your thought is on that because I've kind of got an opinion too. Okay. Well, you know, and that's where I started out. Um, if, if, if you go way back to the, to the good old days, <laughs> um, yes. I – 
as a kid, I coon hunted a lot on the ranch. And so we always had, uh, on our hunting lights, we had pop covers. In the coon hunting world, they have pop covers that are no more than just a, a, an amber lens or a red lens or a blue. Right. And, and raccoons don't always, re, they don't always react to really super intense light. And so the amber lens would allow them to give a softer image to be able to see the eyes glow. So that being said, um, red was always the color that, that we had growing up, and, and red would reflect off of anything. You know, you could go out on the highway and, and a mile away, and you could see the faint reflector flashing in the, in the beam of the red light, you know. So red has been the most popular color for all these years. And then when this laser stuff started coming out, uh, back, say, 20 years ago when the laser started first being produced where people could, you know, actually the civilian market could buy a laser could at some afford time. it, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, the the laser started people, oh, well, I'll use a laser. Well, that blinds, I mean, that actually pierces a, an animal's eyes. Right. And it scares them off. So right. uh, just in the last five years, there was a laser genetics and the green lasers and the green lights. Here in South Georgia, uh, pigs are so they're, – they're hunted and pressured so much that they have become – they're able to see green light. They actually are scared by that green light. Now, I don't know the science behind it. Right. Uh, but they – every green light that I have seen that, that people have hunted with has actually scared the prey off the closer they get to that light because it's – it's extremely intense at a close range. Yes. So, you're, you know, you're long distance. You're seeing the reflection of that animal's eyes just like you would a, a road reflector. But the closer you get to that, that reflective sign or that road reflector, the brighter it seems to get. Sure. So um, your listeners could go out there with a red light and shine it on the brake light of their car and walk closer. As it gets brighter, you got to think, well, that animal could see that reflection. They can see their so, reflection for sure, right? Right. So, you know, even even in night vision hunting, we use a very, uh, well, I use a laser, but it has a filter in it, and, and I use a very low setting. I don't use the brightest setting because it doesn't take much to reflect sure. an animal's eyes at all. Right. Um, so uh, I, I guess red is probably going to be the color that I use okay. more than anything, and, and to this very day. I, I still use red, even though I have night vision. Like if I go out in the yard, um, I, I posted a picture of an armadillo I shot the other night that was tearing up my yard and shot him with a Condor SS. And, um, you know, I, I went out there and I saw him and I turned on the red light and just barely had it on and just see his little beady little eyes glowing. And, <laughs> you know, it, it was lights out for the armadillo. Oh, wow. That's cool. And, I mean, one of the things – I've used green lights for years here on hogs, but one of the things for coyotes that I've noticed is that, you know, the um, the better you are off on, on shooting red lights for them because they're wary to the green lights. You know, that's what my experience has been because green lights have more of a spectrum because you can get out to 250 yards with an LED, a good LED flashlight with a green light, but only to about 150 yards with the same LED light that's red. 
Um, right. So red is a less intense light, and I would prefer red for coyotes. I just didn't know if you agreed with me. Um, but for hogs no, I here, agree. I mean, we we for hogs here, we uh, we do green. I've I've shot plenty of them over green lights before. So wow. anyway, just uh, just something you know, just different areas we live in. But um, that's good to know. That's very good to know. Well, you know, our peanut fields down here, our croplands, our, our our cash crops are peanuts, corn, uh, cotton. Sure. And and just like out in Texas, you know, even they've even migrated into East Texas where our place is at there. And um, but um, the the hunting down here, because night vision has become so affordable, people are out with red lights and night vision. They're constantly driving through during spring planting is when it really gets real busy for the predator and hog hunting because. These people are coming in from all over the country, paying to go on these hog hunting trips, and uh, and get a little swine time. And, and swine next thing time. you know, <laughs> these guys are, you know, you can't go out there and you, you can see a hog across the field, maybe shine your light to try to see him, and all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. Right. You know, you could have the wind in your favor; everything could be just right. The minute you turn on that light, boy, I mean, he's he's on to you. So I think that they're uh, the more you know, hogs because they breed so rapid and genetics. I, I honestly believe that those pigs that have that intelligence of of being hunted and pursued so much, I kind of think it might be bred into the to the offspring a little bit that they become a little more weary of of human activity. Right. You know. No, I I um, almost I can't agree. I can't stop agreeing with you there because it's true. You know, they you educate a hog, you educate a coyote. You know, you right. you just taught that next generation. You know what to what to look out for. You, you know, I'll tell you what the best thing to do is if you have a farmer that you're friends with, if you can drive his tractor one night, drive it out to the field. Oh sure, and park it. Yeah, and just sit on the hood of the tractor or stay in the cab because those coyotes and those pigs are accustomed to smelling diesel oil and diesel mm-hmm. fuel. And, mm-hmm. um, there's uh i've killed several of them sitting on the hood of, of combines and tractors out here and um i had one one farmer in a pecan grove that intentionally left a a uh one of their peanut wagons that they haul all their pecans and peanuts in left it out there for me and i crawled up in it and just stood up and rested my gun on the edge of the trailer and <laughs> sat out there and called coyotes inside that peanut wagon that's brilliant man that's great it's so, about yeah, outsmarting I mean, your predator you know i mean exactly you just yeah well you, you just start thinking outside the box right. and trying to figure out how to how to get those things man because sure. they're you know people are under the impression that you know they see stacks of coyotes you're never ever going to kill off the coyote will never go extinct no the only thing that will make it extinct is if if parvo and rabies come along or if we have another ice age and those coyotes have, uh, uh, you know, just fur problems right. and, and mange, you know, I mean, the typical coyote in the winter will only last six to eight weeks with, with a bad case of mange in, in super cold country. Right. They just uh, can't live. And, and distemper, they die. You know, they'll take the distemper back to the litter and the entire – coyote population in a certain area will totally be just destroyed you know right. but outside of that they're a pretty pretty uh, resilient species kind of like feral hogs Absolutely. are 
Yeah. And and if you you know, I'm gonna share with you my my secret to all my coyote knowledge before we go. Sure. Is that there there's a book that you can get at um you probably find it on Amazon. It's called uh, the Coyote Man. Oh, cool! Then is the name of the book, and it covers coyotes from coast to coast and border to border. Um, the man that wrote that I uh, can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but he passed away. And a guy named Major Boddicker, who owns Critter Calls out of Colorado, mm-hmm. finished finished this book for this guy. And it's at the tip of my tongue, and I wish I could remember his name. Now I feel stupid. Oh, don't feel that way. It happens. <laughs> but, I, but this book, this book is so scientifically based that the moment you start reading this book about coyotes, it's gonna, you're gonna get right into the mind of the coyote. You're gonna say, "Oh my gosh, I never knew this." I mean, this guy studied every coyote. They boiled skulls. They, they collected scat over a. a 500 acre area and cut open every bit of scat and recorded what was in it i mean this is that's dedication right there i mean oh my god well this took place yeah i mean this is taking place over over you know several decades that this guy lived with the coyotes i mean this goes back to the 30s and 40s um and most of the writings were from you know down around Nevada, like, you know, in the state of Nevada, like in Fallon and in that area, um, and, and some of the lakes and, and, you know, places that they had there at that time. Right. Um, this guy studied the coyote, and it's just a great, great read. The book is about 35 or 40 bucks, um, but it, I even to this very day, I still read it. I've had it for about 10 years. And I still read that book every day. I pick it up and I read something in it. Oh, that's great. So for predator hunters, that's that's an invaluable resource. Absolutely. So I would encourage you guys, uh, if you really want to learn about predator hunting, you could go to uh, Critter Calls. I think it's CritterCalls.com or, or just you know Google search Critter Calls or Google search Coyote Man, the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it, it'll just – I think it's made me a better hunter just because I've, I've understood the coyote a little bit more right? and what they eat. The mindset um, and everything, right? Yeah. Well, just, again, real quick, one of the places I get to hunt is a, um, a wine vineyard, mm-hmm. a 500-acre wine vineyard, and it is loaded with coyotes in the summertime because they're, they're chewing on the vines and the drip irrigation. They're, chewing the, they're gnawing the nozzles off the drip, drip irrigation to get water. Goodness. So I can go out there and shoot all I want and have a glass of wine when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant plan right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Um, but, uh, yeah, anything else to add before we go today, before we close the show? No, not really, other than thank you for uh, you know choosing me to do your podcast, man. Sure. I just, I, I've, I've been able to go back and listen to some of your archive stuff and you and i becoming friends over the last couple years kind of evolving as as friends it really uh you know watching you grow and and watching you grow in air guns and and of course i'm i'm envious of you because i'm not a writer by any means uh i get i get paid to talk for a living not write but right uh you know you're writing your articles are just man i get so pumped up i'm i'm wanting to go out and, and hunt and bow hunt and fish and 
you know, I'm just like, golly, man, that, that Dustin, man, he got to go run. <laughs> but, so I'm, uh, it, it's a real privilege. I was, I was really excited to get to do your podcast, and thank I, I you. thank you for allowing me to, you know, spend a little time with you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've been a great interview and a great guest, and I think everybody listening to this uh, agrees with that because um, you got great stories and great tips and advice and tactics and everything like that that come with the uh, come with the territory, which is wonderful. So I really appreciate right. you joining me on this show. Well, that was lots of fun as usual, and I love every one of these guests that I have on the show because I get to bring you more information and education and inspiration and you know things that help you do better things in the outdoors, and I hope this podcast was definitely a learning experience and um, definitely gave you some good tips to get out there and have fun in the outdoors this weekend or whenever you get in the outdoors next. And I'm really excited about um, the direction of this show, the guests that we're having on here. I'm bringing some more diverse folks on here in the future, so I'm really excited about all that. If you want to see what I'm up to, visit DustinsProjects.com. That's all one word. I have links to my blog post on there. I have links to what I do on FishGame.com, and then I've got links all over the place for um, all the different things that I'm involved in in the outdoors and uh, have a lot of fun doing it all. So really excited that you took the opportunity to join us today and check out the show. If you'd like to learn more about the show, visit FishGame.com, which is kind of our parent website for this podcast. Uh, This is the Texas Outdoor Nation um, Texas Fish and Game podcast, the official podcast of the Texas Outdoor Nation. (laughs) And... um, I'm really excited to uh, be able to share all this with you. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Also, please rate us on iTunes if you have a chance to do so. Uh, Head on over to iTunes to uh, the Best of the Outdoors podcast and leave us the review there or anywhere that you hear this podcast. If you have a Stitcher player or uh, any kind of other um, medium that you listen to this podcast through, please rate us on there. That helps other people find the show, and um, we just have a lot of fun connecting with new folks that way. Thank you so much again for watching, for reading, for listening, for everybody at Texas Fish and Game. We just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to the show, and have an awesome day in the outdoors. Mm-hmm.